0: The following message entitled as The Day Draws Near was given by Mark Eltrogi on the 22nd of May 2016. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. This morning we're going to take a little break from our series we've been doing in 1 Corinthians. We have planned it out so that we we go a few weeks on Corinthians and then we'll take a little break and do a t- either a topical message or a, a, just a different passage of Scripture, just to uh, break it up a little bit. So this morning we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. Also next Sunday we will be having a message on baptism, since we're going to have a baptism. So, and then we'll get back into our series on 1 Corinthians. So thanks for being here. Just wanted to explain that in case you're wondering if this was going to be a message on 1 Corinthians and why we're in Hebrews 10 all of a sudden. So Hebrews 10, this morning's message is called As the Day Draws Near. I recently watched a video of a woman named Julie Moss who in February of 1982 was a 23-year-old graduate student, and she competed in the Ironman Triathlon World Championship in Hawaii. And me being the athlete that I am, I could really relate to that, so I watched it. And uh, the triathlon includes a 2.4 mile ocean swim, a 112 mile bike race, And a 26.2 mile run. Now, near the end, if you you watch this video, if you search Julie Moss and watch it, she, at one point near the end, was 20 minutes ahead of the second place person. And uh, she was running, doing well, but less than a mile from the finish, her legs just turned to jelly and she collapsed. It is so sad watching this this video. Um, She keeps struggling to stand and walk, but keeps collapsing and falling down. Sort of like me getting out of bed in the morning. I get up and fall back in until I have my coffee. Then I can walk. But she keeps collapsing and less... Then 10 yards from the finish, she collapsed from the final time. She's 30 feet from the finish line. And as she's lying there, pretty incredible to watch. And, and some of you, although I don't know anyone training for this kind of event, some of you may feel like that spiritually. You may feel like, I, I just don't know if I can make it. I, am, I, I just feel like I've collapsed in my life. I've collapsed in my life spiritually, or maybe I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired of this. I just, I just want to quit. Have you ever felt like you might not make it? Have you ever felt like giving up? I know at times I felt like David when he said, "Oh, that I could sprout wings and fly off to the mountain." You know, I there have been times in my life I've just felt like I, I would just like to just leave and go to another town and change my name and start over (laughs) ever felt like that well each of us we will have every one of us will face things in our lives and at times in our christian life where we will just feel like giving up but we have a race to finish we're We're called to endure to the end and we want to finish well. You know, hopefully, none of us will be barely crawling over this finish line at the end of our lives, but we'll finish strong and well in Jesus. Well, that's what this morning's passage is about. Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Man, I loved the songs we sang this morning. All about the blood of Jesus. My confidence. We're singing, my trust is in You, Jesus. In Your blood. All my trust. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, Lord Jesus, we ask for Your help this morning to look at Your Word. Please, Holy Spirit, we ask that You would illumine our minds, illumine Your Word, shine Your light upon it, and help us to understand it. Help us to be moved by it. Help us to do it. Help us to love Your Word. Lord, we ask that Your Word would become the delight of our hearts more and more. And Lord, we just ask You to speak to us through Your Word that the God of Heaven, the Creator of the universe, would speak to us through Your Word. And we thank You for Your Word, Lord, that You do speak to us. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Amen well we're all in this race and some of us are much closer to the end of our race than others i can't believe that i am 66 i i it just seems like yesterday i was 23 praying and asking jesus to forgive my sins so we're we're nearer many of us are much nearer to the end of our race and we just read that the day is drawing near. Now, the day is the day of Christ's return. And Jesus could return today. He could return this afternoon. He could return while I'm preaching. That would be great, wouldn't it? But it's much closer. The day of Jesus' return is much closer than it was 2,000 years ago. Much closer. And whether we die before Christ returns or if we're alive, God wants us to endure to the end. And He gives us many encouragements in Scripture. This passage has three of them. Three very strong encouragements. Three keys to enduring to the end. Draw near, hold fast, and stir up. Draw near, hold fast, and stir up one another. And we're, we're going to look at these These are keys to enduring, keys to making it to the end of our race. So first of all, draw near. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How do we endure to the end? How will we finish the race? By regularly drawing near to God. Regularly seeking Him. Regularly reading His Word. Regularly praying. Regularly asking Him for strength. Regularly asking Him for grace and help. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I love this verse. God is just waiting to help us. He is a very present help. Not just a present help in trouble, a very <laughs> present help in trouble. He's right here. But so often, if you're like me, we fail to ask God for help. We just start doing things on our own. So often, you know, we're like a little kid trying to lift a giant weight, and his father keeps saying, "Hey, let me help you with that." And we keep saying, "No, no, I got it. I got it. I can do this." How many times do we try to handle things on our own, when we could come to the one who is the source of all power and might and strength? You know, we're not going to make it to the end in our own strength. If you think you can get through this life as a believer in Jesus in your own strength, you are crazy. You will not make it. Jesus brings things into our lives to reveal our weakness. <laughs> so many things at, at times happen in my life and I, I think, Lord, why is this happening to me? And, and, and I don't hear an actual voice, but God will give me the thought because you need to know how weak you are. <laughs> you need to know how much you need Me. So we need to draw near. And first it says we're to draw near with confidence. We're not to draw near thinking, I don't know if God's going to help me or not. No, we're to draw near with confidence. First of all, confidence in Christ's sacrifice. Therefore, brothers, Hebrews 10.19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. See, if we didn't have the blood of Jesus, we could have no confidence to come before The Holy of Holies. To come before the One that the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Our God will not tolerate sin in His presence. How do we have confidence that that I won't be wiped out? That I won't be judged? That I won't be condemned? How can I have confidence that, that the Holy One of the Holy of Holies will hear my prayers. How can I have confidence? Because of by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers every one of our sins. Jesus never sinned once Himself, but He poured out His perfect, holy blood to pay the price to redeem us and cleanse us. And this passage talks about the curtain, the new and living way He opened for us through the curtain that is His flesh. What's that talking about? Well, in the, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, in the temple, there was a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And in the day that Jesus lived, the temple in Jerusalem had a huge, heavy curtain that separated the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest, once a year, only once a year could the high priest go behind that curtain. And he had to take blood with him, the blood of an animal that had been sacrificed as atonement for sins to be in the presence of the Holy of Holies. And I can imagine, you know, they, they, the priests had bells on their robes so that if they died, if they were struck down in the Holy of Holies, the bells would stop ringing, the people would hear it, and they could reach under the curtain and pull the priest out. I mean, it must have been a terrifying thing to go into the Holy of Holies. And the only way you could do it was with the blood that covered was, was at that time a temporary offering that covered the sins of the people. Well, the day that Jesus died, the day that Jesus, the Lamb of God, as we heard this morning, who died for the sins of the world, the day He poured out His holy blood, when He died, it says that the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom by an invisible hand. It was torn in two because the blood of Jesus opened the way for us into the Holy of Holies. We can come into the Holy of Holies with confidence that we won't die because the blood of Jesus was shed for our sins. He died so that we don't have to die. What a wonderful thing. We can All our hope is in the blood of Jesus. That's what, I love that song that we sang this morning. Now why this fear and unbelief? All my hope is in Your blood. All my trust. All my confidence. So we, can, we come, we draw near knowing Jesus will listen to us and hear our prayers and not judge us. And also we have confidence in Jesus Himself interceding for us. Verse 21 says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, over God's church, over God's people. We have a great priest. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, first of all, we have confidence in Jesus' sacrifice of His blood in the past. Jesus didn't have to keep doing it over and over. Once was good enough, once and for all. That's why Jesus on the cross said, It is finished. His work was done, but that that was in the past. And so we have confidence in his work in the past. But now we have confidence in his intercession for us now as our high priest. He is a great priest, he is our great high priest. Our priest is not a human being. Merely a human being. Our priest is the King of kings. Lord of lords. And He continually intercedes for us. And so Hebrews 7.25, love this verse, says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who, again, draw near He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus always lives to make intercession. He never takes a break. He never takes His eyes off us. He continually pleads our cause to the Father 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Jesus intercedes for us. When we're sleeping at night, Jesus is interceding for us. When we're, when we're taking care of the kids or going to work or working in our yard, Jesus is interceding for us. Whether we're studying or for a final or playing basketball, whatever we are doing, whether we're thinking about Jesus or not, which we, we just can't because we all have lives we're living. We can't possibly... Think about Jesus non-stop. But He's never taking a break from interceding for us. Right now, He is interceding for you and me by name before the Father. Isn't that good news? Man, what a great high priest we have. That's why we should draw near to Him all the time. And since we have a great, since we have a great. See, these words mean, because since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can draw near with a true heart. Well, what does that mean? Jesus, Jesus said about the Pharisees, They honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Because of Jesus, we can come to God sincerely. We're not just playing this. We're we're not here just singing empty songs. We're not just acting church. We are drawing near to God sincerely because of Jesus. It's not just lip service like those who who in his day were religious leaders but didn't know God. And he wants us to come with full assurance of faith, fully assured that God will accept us and hear our prayers because of Jesus. And we can have our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let, let me tell you this. If you don't know this, if, if, you're, if you are struggling with an evil conscience, if your conscience is accusing you and you have not called upon the name of Jesus and you have not believed in the One who shed His blood for you, let me tell you this. I tell you this from personal experience. There is nothing better than a clean conscience. Oh man, when I was a child my parents raised me. We were Roman Catholics. And uh, God used that upbringing to drive me to Himself. When I was in my early 20s, I began to become so guilt-ridden over my sins. And when I finally started to read the Bible, I was becoming even more guilt-ridden over my sins. I became so guilt-ridden I started to go to confession every week some of you have heard this story I I would go every single week to confess my sins and I became so paranoid that the priest would begin to recognize me and the older priest was always so good at speaking loudly to me that everybody outside heard my sins anyway he said you did that do your parents know that and I'd walk out and the people in line waiting for confession would kind of look down. I knew they heard. I got so paranoid about going to just this one priest every week that he would start to recognize, didn't I hear these same sins last week? I started going one week to him and one week to the guy on the other side of the church. And the third week I'd drive out the climber and go to confession there. I mean, I was guilt ridden. I know what an evil conscience feels like. I was was afraid every night that if I died, I would go to hell. I would would pray the Catholic act of contrition every night before bed, thinking that I was going to go to hell if I died that night. And when, when I found out that the blood of Jesus covers all my sins and washes away all my sins... There is nothing like having a clean conscience. So that's how we draw near to Jesus. With a clean conscience. Knowing that His blood washes us clean. And it says our bodies washed with pure water. What does that mean? Well, it obviously doesn't mean our physical bodies have been washed by Jesus. What this means is that God has washed and cleansed our whole being. Completely. Not just our souls, but Jesus' blood cleans our whole being, body, mind, and spirit. And so in Ezekiel 36.25, God promised this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Notice how many times the word clean or some variation of it was there. Four times. I will sprinkle clean water. You shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. From all your your idols I will cleanse you. You believe that God cleanses us? Our whole beings. Romans 1.1, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, he doesn't mean just our physical bodies. Paul is saying there, present your whole life to God. Give your whole life. Give yourself to God completely. Everything you do. Because God, Jesus' blood has cleansed our whole life. He's cleansed us. Completely. So we're to draw near to God with confidence and assurance because the blood of Jesus has so thoroughly cleanse us our hearts are sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience our whole being washed god has imputed us the righteousness of christ god has imputed to us or he counts to us the righteousness of christ the perfect righteousness of christ that's how god sees us in christ oh i i I pray, I, I, I appeal to you, those of you, any of you who have not yet turned to Jesus in faith. He is the only one who can cleanse you. You can turn to Him today. It doesn't require walking down front or an altar call. It just re- All you need to do is turn to Jesus in your heart and say, Jesus, I believe You are God who became a man, died on the cross to pay for my sins and rose from the dead. Cleanse me. Become my Lord. Change my life. Help me to follow You. That's that's all you need to do. I believe in You and what You did. And He will wash away your sins. And then you can begin a life of discipleship and following Him and becoming more and more like Him, and gaining more, increasing victory over sin every day of your life. Do you think I'm excited about what I'm talking about? This is real. This is real. This is my life. This is our lives. If I didn't have this, if I were even still alive today, I'd be the most depressed person on the face of the earth. Okay, we draw near. We draw near. We endure to the end by drawing near regularly because the way is open to draw near. Because we have a great high priest. Because we can draw near by His shed blood. Second way we endure to the end is by holding fast. Holding fast. The phrase, it says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. The phrase hold fast occurs four times in the book of Hebrews. And it says we're to hold fast the confession of our hope or the profession of our hope. Now, the Hebrews... that this book was being written to were Jewish converts to Christianity and they were being persecuted for their faith. They were being pressured to deny Jesus. They They had professed, they had confessed, they had made the profession of faith at their baptism. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe all that the Bible says about Him. I believe that all He did To pay for my sins is true. I profess Jesus Christ as Lord, my Lord and Savior. And so, he says, hold fast to that profession. Hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to what you believe. Hold on to it. Don't let go of what you believe. Until the end. Hold fast to the confession of our hope. See." our religious belief is not just some philosophy of life our religious belief we believe first and foremost in a person we believe in who god is who jesus is and we believe that in jesus in addition to the forgiveness of our sins that we have an eternal hope we have eternal life we will be with jesus face to face for all eternity in heaven. That is our hope that we hold on to. We have hope that Jesus Christ will do what He said He's going to do. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said we would be with Him. That's our hope. Now, this hope that we have is a sure and certain hope. It's not not like the kind of hope we have so often in the world, like we don't really know if it's going to happen or not. Like, I hope we can get a new car soon. Or I, I hope our team will win the soccer tournament. You know, that's a kind of hope, but it's not a sure and certain hope. We don't know whether we'll get a new car or not. We may even have all the money saved up and then something happens where we need to get a new roof instead. I don't know. We don't know the things so often we hope for. We hope we're going to win the soccer tournament. We think we've got the better team, but we don't know. You could fall down and break your legs. You don't, you, the bus not, might not make it to La Trobe or wherever the tournament is. You know, so the kind of hope that people have in this world, you know, there are things we want, but we aren't sure whether they'll happen or not. But this is not the kind of hope we have as believers. This is a sure and certain, solid hope that we have. It's reality. We have a sure hope that we will see Jesus face to face that He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that we will share His joyous inheritance forever and ever, that we will have new bodies that don't suffer any pain or arthritis or cancer or anything else. These things are certain. Now, isn't it incredible? How do we know this? How do we know this? Well, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. I was just just talking to someone this morning saying, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, we'd have no idea if there was an afterlife we'd have no idea if any of these promises are going to come to pass. But Jesus did rise from the dead and hundreds of eyewitnesses saw Him. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, He appeared to 500 people at one time after His resurrection. Now, this was not a mass hallucination. This was not 500 people so sad that, oh, I wish Jesus would appear and then they imagine it. No, He appeared. He appeared to His disciples. He ate in front of them. He said, Thomas, come here. Put your your finger in my wounds if you don't believe it. Jesus has risen. So we know that everything He said is true. He who promised is faithful. Of all the people on the face of the earth, believers in Jesus have a sure and certain hope. I hope you have that hope. If you have that hope, in one sense, yeah, horrible things happen. But in one sense, that hope, it doesn't matter what happens here. I have this hope. I'm going to be with Jesus forever. I'm not going to be suffering forever. Why? How do I know this? Because Jesus is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Jesus is not like us. Jesus doesn't forget to keep His Word. You ever promised somebody something and then forgot to do it? I, I've done that. It's embarrassing. When i've done it i say i hate myself why did i forget this i had it i even had it written down on my calendar when i was a kid my dad had to travel for work and at times he'd promised to bring home toys for each of us kids and i remember a couple of times i couldn't wait for dad to get home and when he came home i said dad did you get us toys and he went oh i forgot And I think, oh man. But Jesus doesn't forget. Jesus doesn't forget. It it says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said and will He not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not fulfill it? God isn't going to say, you know what, boy, you know, I had this really good plan in Jesus, but I think I thought of a better one. No, God doesn't change His mind. God doesn't come up with a promise and then think of a, well, maybe I'll make a better promise later like like we might do. No, He's not like that. This is how we hold fast, by reminding ourselves that he who promised is faithful. We don't hold fast just by gritting our teeth and toughing it out. No, we draw near, we ask him, we 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 even at times I even will just, it's mostly for my sake, but I'll remind God of his promises. I'll remind God of his word. Not that he's forgotten it, I know he hasn't, but it's more to build my faith. I'll say, Lord, You said this. If I do this, You do this. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm just asking You to do that. You're faithful. You promised. You said if we do this, You'll do this. Lord, You promised in Psalm 32.8, I will instruct You and teach You in the way You should go. I will counsel You with My eye upon You. So I need Your counsel and You've promised to do that. So please do it. So maybe you're weary. Maybe you're having a whole hard time holding fast. Maybe you're just weary of problems with your teens or problems in your marriage or maybe you're just weary with life or maybe having a hard time at work or you just you know we all go through really hard things at times and maybe you're in the middle of something right now and you just say I'm so tired I just don't feel like I can Hold fast much more. Well, don't forget you have a great high priest, and he has promised you life and strength and help and victory and counsel and his presence and his nearness and his power and his love, his steadfast love to you. So hold fast because He is faithful. That's how we finish strong. And then the, then the last way is to stir up. We draw near. We hold fast and stir up. And so, verse 24 and 25, "...and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." A teacher named Paul Tripp did a seminar called Your Christian Walk is a Community Project. That's a great title. Your Christian Walk is a Community Project. What a great title. God never intended us to live our Christian life alone. In fact, we can't make it alone. The book of Romans says that we are members one of another. Some are eyes and ears, and some are hands, and some are knees and toes, but we all need each other. Paul says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We need one another to endure. Our Christian walk is a community project. There's a book called To End All Wars by a man named Ernest Gordon, who was a British Army officer, and he was captured by the Japanese in World War II. And he was taken to a POW camp, and he was forced to work building a railway, and the Japanese starved and beat and often killed the prisoners, and tens of thousands died. And Gordon said that for most of the war in the prison camp, it was every man for himself. They were so... They were so beaten down. They were living like animals, only looking out for themselves. But then he said something happened in the camp that he called the miracle on the River Kwai, and and this this is what happened. One day, a Japanese guard discovered a shovel was missing, and when no one confessed to the theft, he screamed, "All die!" All die! And he raised his rifle to fire at the first man in the line. And at that point, another man stepped forward and said, I did it! Enraged, the guard lifted his weapon high in the air and brought the rifle butt down on the soldier's skull and killed him. And that evening, when the tools were inventoried again, the work crew discovered a mistake had been made No shovel was missing. The man who'd been killed had just stepped in and given his life to save the first man in line. And one of the prisoners remembered this verse. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Gordon says the attitudes in the camp began to shift and the prisoners began looking out for each other rather than just themselves now gordon himself he was wasting away from a whole bunch of different sicknesses malaria dysentery typhoid diphtheria he was paralyzed he was unable to eat so he asked he asked to be laid in the death house but two fellow prisoners came by each day and cared for him dressing the ulcers on his legs massaging his atrophied muscles. And he began to put on weight and to his amazement regained partial use of his legs and went on to live. Write this book. And he would not have endured on his own. He would not have made it had it not been for the two fellow prisoners who came and helped him and cared for him day after day. We we need each other like that verse 24 let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works the phrase stir up can mean stimulate one another or provoke in a good sense i i need to find ways to stimulate others to love and good works and i need to be stimulated myself by others for example when we we meet as a fellowship group we'll pick fellowship groups up again in the fall, but when, I, when we meet, I'm stimulated by hearing how other people in my group are trusting God, or how other people in my fellowship group are serving others. I'm stimulated to love others as I hear how someone else loves others. But as I was thinking about this verse, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I I actually got not snared, but I was captivated by the word consider. Let us consider how to stir up one another. And I thought, how, how often do I do that? How often do I actually consider how can I encourage others? How can I stimulate others to good works? And I thought, I, I need to pray about that. Because I, I don't consciously do that the way I think I should as I was studying I was convicted I need to think about it I need to pray Lord please show me today how I can maybe encourage somebody else to love and good works and so I just wanna be more deliberate and give it more thought and I just wanna ask you guys to do the same thing pray for me pray for our church pray for yourself that God will Show you how to stimulate because we need one another. I I need you to stir me up to good works and love. See, we're we're not designed by God to be self-sufficient. And so in verse 25, he says, Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We need each other. Apparently, some of the readers of Hebrews were developing this habit of neglecting to meet with other believers. And it's really, it's really sad, but I, I'm seeing posts on Facebook from time to time and things like that where people are saying, I don't need the church. I, I say that's wrong. We are commanded by God to not neglect to meet together. Now, that doesn't mean that meeting in fellowship group or meeting in the church building on Sunday is the only way we can do it. I mean, there are Bible studies happening. There are people meeting with other Christians. You can have lunch with somebody else, go to breakfast with somebody else. There's lots of ways to meet with someone, but we need one another. You know, you might, you might say, you know, I've been to fellowship group. It doesn't really do much for me. Has, you know, but if you go every time it meets, or as often as you can, they meet twice a month, over the long haul, over years, not only, I believe, will it benefit you, but you benefit others. You know, lots of habits we do. We might not think it's going to do much for us, but if we do them for years, it will. And if you, if you have the attitude, ah, you know, I don't get anything out of meeting with other Christians change your attitude to this. Don't look so much for what you're going to get out of it. I believe you will. But you should have the attitude of how can I be a blessing to others if I go? How can, what can I do that can encourage others? That's the attitude we should have about meeting together. Because honestly, you know what? Lots of times, I don't feel like going to fellowship group. I'm tired at the end of the day. Lots of times I don't feel like meeting with other Christians. I'd rather just relax. Do something on my own. But I need to. I need to. I need to stir them up. I need them to stir me up. Because that's part of how we're going to finish this race. We're in this race together. The Christian walk is a community project the community the, the Christian race is a community project and he says and all the more as you see the day drawing near meet together encourage one another all the more all the more as you see the day drawing near when when julie moss began this iron Ma, ironman triathlon she probably felt strong and confident and I'm I'm sure she had friends and fa- fans at the beginning of the race saying go Julie but what's really cool is when she collapses and she keeps trying to get up and walk she is surrounded by people encouraging her I I couldn't hear what they were saying in the video but I could see them come on Julie come on they're all around her just crowding in as she's struggling to get up And they're encouraging her all the more as that finish line was 30 feet away. Don't quit now! You can do it, Julie! And I just thought, that's the way it is now. Come on, Julie. Only 10 more yards to do. Well, as you see the day drawing near, the day is the day of Jesus' return. The day we'll see Him face to face. The day when all our persevering and enduring will be over. Won't that be a great day? That's that's the day that we hope to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. The day Jesus will reward us for holding fast all the days of our lives. We don't know when it's going to come, but it's drawing near. We're all certainly nearer to that day than we were five years ago. So, how do we endure to the end? By drawing near to Jesus, our great high priest. Draw near. Every day, all throughout the day, pray, ask Him, Jesus, help me. Give me grace to do this by drawing near, by holding fast our hope in the promises of God because He who promised is faithful. And by stirring up one another, meeting together more and more as the day of Jesus' return draws near. So let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we draw near right now. We draw near to you through your blood. And we just ask you, Lord, that every single one of us in this room or every person who hears this message, Lord, that we would all make it to the end and that we would all finish strong help us lord we confess we need you we confess our weakness we confess that you are the one who will get us there lord we thank you that you are faithful we thank you that you are a very present help in trouble we thank you lord that you are waiting to help us and so, Lord, we just pray that, that You would remind us, Holy Spirit, remind us of these things that we've heard today. As we go through our week, just remind us, Lord, to draw near to You and to, to just give You thanks and praise for all You've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.